welcome back to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. I am Aaron, and with me, as always, is Dave and Fredo. How you doing, guys? Hello. Hi, we're doing great. I was actually practicing your guys' last names the other day. Quite literally, I was <laughs> vacuuming, and I was saying, Alfredo Narvez. David Glado. That's pretty good. Glado. Glado. Like shadow. Glado. Yeah. I was was actually practicing because I don't want to be that jerk friend that, you know, hey, Dan, how's it going? It's Dave. Whatever, Dan. You know, so. But anyway. um, Okay. So um, Super Bowl predictions, uh, Bucks um, or Chiefs. uh, Chiefs, or you really don't give a hoot. Um, quite honestly, I'm going to say I hope the Chiefs like make Tom Brady cry bigger in life. Yeah, yeah, I'm going That's with just the me chefs. being petty. So yeah, I'm going with the chefs for the petty. But really, honestly, it's not like if they if the Bucks somehow keep the Tampa Bay streak alive going for another title, I won't be mad. I'm like whatever. So the- yeah, I don't even I don't even care. <laughs> okay, so Dave doesn't even care. But okay, so now the big news was holy crudola. Um, so Brittany Breeze, Drew Breeze's wife, posts on inter- Instagram. Not only did our quarterback have 11 broken ribs at one point and a punctured lung, but apparently he played a good chunk of the season with a torn rotator cuff and with a torn fascia. Now, as somebody who's had plantar fasciitis before and somebody who's had a torn rotator cuff, how in the hell did he play even remotely as good as he did? And why did we think it was a good idea to put him in when he's like that broken? But oh my good lord, I mean, my hat's off to the dude. He must be tough. I think part of it is is there was almost a concerted effort that this was going to be his, this is going to end up being his final year before he retires. And he wanted no chance that he could not you know that he couldn't go out playing out on the field and as long as he was upright and mobile and he could throw the ball okay let's get him out there and yeah. you know um, questions have to be asked about whether this question should have been the better part of valor but that's all hindsight now. you know uh and and then michael thomas was playing on an ankle that's going to require surgery you know it's just mm-hmm. like wow i mean we're, yeah. we're, we're a tough team um I have all the respect in the world for NFL players, and I just feel like whenever whenever there's a labor dispute and somebody sides with the owners, I'm like, you're mental, because those people are out there putting their bodies on the line every week. You know, and... this this whole thing made me realize that, and I, I put this on Twitter, I said, anytime, before you jump in on, like, laying into Mike Thomas for having a bad game this last game, there's always another side of the story. There's always another side of the story when you find out that he's, like I said, he's playing on one leg, you know, mm-hmm. and because he wanted to give Drew the best opportunity to make it to a Super Bowl, it's like, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just sit here, um, you know. Yeah, it, it's, it's understandable. And I think that's part of the difficult part that most of us don't see. I mean, look, players, most players' careers don't go as long as Drew's does. Most of them are out within five years, three to five years. So uh, to Dave's point about labor disputes, I'm always like, look, they're going to have to live with the long-term consequences of what they put their bodies through for the rest of their lives. I mean, Drew has made a, a truckload of money. He has 
has a beautiful family. He's going walking right into NBC Studios, so he's gonna be fine. But most NFL players don't get that opportunity, you know, or half the number of opportunities that Drew gets. And so, whenever it's uh, somebody goes, well, they're making too much money. I'm like, yeah, but they're gonna be spending a ton of it, just staying uh, healthy in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yeah. While, while while you're complaining about your one injury that you did to yourself, like me. Uh, they're going to be complaining about their 20th, you know, yep. that they're still living with. Well, anyway, so hats off to a tough team, you know, but mm-hmm. um, go Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, go uh, Chefs. But, but that will probably be a passive watch here. So, but that you're not here to talk, to listen about us talk football, but we, we always talk a little bit about football. Um, and then, of course, we're getting close to baseball. And so Fredo will have to ask him for a Dodgers update all the time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dave, do you follow uh, any professional baseball teams like religiously? No, not religiously. I mean, I, I I'm happy for the Royals when they do well, cause I'm from Can- the Kansas city area. So um, I really enjoy watching them do well, but, uh, and we're Buster Posey fans in our household cause he was a Florida state alum. So. Yeah, I uh, haven't really. I, I'm one of those. I it it drives me batty to watch baseball on TV, but I love to go see baseball in the park. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's just a different. Huh? It's just a, an aesthetic that you know. It's just it's just different. Um, it's so different. It's I, I so feel much like, better. I feel like when you're watching baseball on TV, and with all due respect to all baseball fans out there, don't at me on Twitter. But I'm just saying, as a passive fan, it's like you turn on TV. And then you might change the channel for like two hours and come back and you, it looks like you haven't even, nothing's changed. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. It's, you know, but so you, if you watch baseball, you gotta be, you gotta be in for the long haul. I don't, I have yeah. nothing against baseball. It's, uh, you know, but. No, I'll agree with you. I mean, it's, it's one sport where unlike say something like football, uh, you gotta have a rooting interest. It makes all the difference. If you're watching on TV. <laughs> Just, if you're watching live and I've maintained this for the longest time, it's, you know, I am grateful that New Orleans doesn't have an MLB team because I would waste all my time in afternoon baseball games. There is nothing better than afternoon baseball. I was just thinking this is a big, great podcast. Aaron's ignorant views on sports. It's like now Aaron's going to talk about <laughs> soccer. <laughs> and and offend and half that's the people listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right. So um, tonight, our uh, our topic of this evening, we are going to share. We say our speaking top, of sports, yeah. But I think sports. it's our. I think it's better to say our favorite lightsaber action scenes, and our but, least favorite lightsaber action scenes. This and actually, this could end up being very very controversial, and. Uh, some of us might make some people very, very angry, um, but you know, then it wouldn't be an interesting podcast if we didn't do that. Um, but first, by gosh, we've got to do some trivia, get our brains wrapped around Star Wars. Now we've talked about so much sports. And so here we go. Um, as always, let's see here. Uh, I'll start with Dave. Who confronts Yoda saying, you have interfered with our affairs for the last time? Who confronts oh, wow. Yoda saying, you have interfered with our affairs for the last time? I'm pretty sure that's Count Dooku. 
we would have accepted Darth Tyrannus as well. Yes. So <laughs> Lord and, Tyrannus. And and this they, they this was in their lightsaber duel that one of us mm-hmm. may bring up. Who knows, you know? But uh it, it might come up. So all right. Um Fredo. Mm-hmm. Who does Han refer to as Greedo's boss? Come on. Just because it's the well, first one I look at and it's like the, you know, are you smarter than a fifth grader Star Wars edition? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure he meant Jabba. We didn't know it was Jabba the Hutt, but it was Jabba. Okay, it's a good thing you said Jabba the Hutt because I was just about ready not to give it to you because it might be Jabba <laughs> the something else. Um, yeah. Jabba the way, Skywalker. Um, so I um, heard a... Uh, no, we won't even talk about that. It was, it was a, a rumor that made me kind of make me made me upset a little bit. Well, I will say it. Uh, there was a rumor that uh, there's that Kira and Han were going to be showing up in the uh, the Mandalorian, or I was wondering maybe even maybe the Book of Boba Fett. But it's like again, unless they're going to put Harrison Ford as Han, um, then don't even bother. Um, all right, so how? How? <laughs> what do you mean how? Kira, I mean, I mean they're, they're they're both. I mean they're both alive and kicking. Kira and Han. Yeah, but Han and Leia were a definitive item at that point. Oh, well, right? I mean, but I, you're not, I mean, I'm not saying they're like you know going to the soda shop together. I'm just saying they they said those two characters would be in there. So I could see Kira from the standpoint of the last time we saw her, she was still very much involved in the underworld of star wars so whereas han i don't know i mean unless boba fett's out hunting for him to get vengeance on his uh backpack hit you know that's why i think the book of boba fett would have been a lot more interesting if it was placed like pre um episode four because then you could have all of that crime syndicate you know crimson dawn crossover stuff but anyway okay well that's not what this episode's about they could throw some of that in there they could have it flash forward and backward and you know do the flashback thing but i gotta say like this sound this that rumor sounds like a wires cross thing to me like maybe they were thinking about the obi-wan series could be. Or the yeah. or the Cassian series because they're set in different times. Um, I don't know. Just saying. All right. Well, here's my question. Sorry, we digress. Um, who orders a clone trooper to get a transport and troops and hurry to Count Dooku's hangar? Who orders a clone trooper to get a transport and troops and hurry to Count Dooku's hangar? I am going to say that that is Padme. It is. It's Padme Amidala. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. I almost thought it was going to be Yoda for a second, but then, uh, nope. It's after Padme flew out of the, uh, out of the transport Transport. and probably should have died in her fall. But you know, Hey, Hey, sand is soft. You know, that's what everybody says. No, it's coarse and it gets everywhere. It's irritating. It's irritating. But it's also a nice, comfortable, comfortable thing to fall on, apparently, from a moving vehicle. Well, all right. Well, I hope you guys were as successful at trivia as we were, and you got an as easy question as Fredo. Uh, but so let's toss it to Fredo for some news. 
A lot of big stuff coming out. And by the way, did you put... Yeah, okay, you did put my uh, one on there. All right, cool. Of course, yeah. of course. So uh, we'll start at the top, just kind of mentioning uh, uh, you shared this actually with us earlier today. Uh, Mandalorian was named one of the top 10 television programs of 2020 by the American Film Institute. Though mm. so I didn't see the list of which other shows were in there, but it's good to know that, surprisingly enough, they're recognizing it as a TV show, not a streaming show, not a platform. It's lumped in with the others. By the way, I'm sorry, I've got to tell you this because last week I, you know, I mentioned that my sister was watching, you know, The Mandalorian. And right. I think I told you she was getting closer, you know. Um, so here's more text messages from my sister. This was on um, Sunday, I believe. Um, let's see here. Oh, Saturday. Okay. So Saturday. Um, the Empire got Grogu and with emoji with the swearing, you know, thing over its mouth. And I said, yeah, but Boba Fett womp. McClunky. Probably you're going to have to McClunky a lot of this. And she said, yeah, he did. <laughs> Uh, this is my older sister. Said Mando does love the kid. He took his helmet off, and I just responded mm-hmm. back with a smiley face. And I'm turning to my wife, going, "We're getting closer." And then we get the next one. I get from her. The women Mandalorians kick too. And then the next one, a few minutes later, that was an awesome ending. I didn't expect Luke and R two. Is there going to be a season three? That group trying to save the galaxy from the Empire. I said, "Well, there's going to be a season three. Did you watch the post credit scene?" She said, "Just now." Who's the fat guy? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, it's Bib Fortuna. He was Jabba's assistant in Jedi. Cool. <laughs> she said, December? I said, yeah, you got to wait a bit. Um, but anyway, uh, it was just funny. She, and, and then we talked on the phone, and she was like, it was interesting. She was not bothered. She was actually quite amazed by the Luke Skywalker and she said how the, you know, they made him look his younger self and stuff like that. So it's kind of like I always find it interesting that, you know, our perceptions, the uber nerds versus the, you know, the passive, you know, the, the not, you know, insane Star Wars fan. My sister's a Star Wars fan. She likes it. Wasn't bothered by any of that. So mm-hmm. just kind of interesting in perspective. I'm sorry. I took off, but I just love those text messages. I was like, okay, we're getting closer. <laughs> no, no. So yeah, yeah. No, you're getting close to the moment. And it actually gave me a chance to find. So AFI's top 10 TV shows of the year, including the Mandalorian, were Better Call, Call Saul, Bridgerton, The Crown, The Good Lord Bird, Lovecraft Country, Mrs. America, The Queen's Gambit, Ted Lasso, and Unorthodox. So, you know, it's a good feather in their cap shows that they're doing right. I mean, you know, we know that it's popular with the audience, and we know that it's popular with um, the critics. And Can I recommend of- Ted Lasso to everybody? If you guys please haven't- do. Yes, Aaron. I, I, I don't know it. if you if you're familiar with Ted Lasso at all. No, no. Um, I have homework man, apparently now, guys. It's really good. It's only available on Apple, so you have to figure out a buddy who has you know Apple or figure out a way to get a free trial. I've, I've, yeah, I've got can't... Apple TV. Yeah, so we're good. Yeah. You can't get Apple. Yeah, free seven day trial, and no season one's already in there. It came with yeah, my. Yeah. It came with my phone uh mm-hmm. my my cell plan so oh, yeah. then you have no reason not to watch it it's awesome so i don't want to like spoil it for you at all but you basically go into this show thinking wow these people are all caricatures and then they all end up surprising you 
And so, it's a really heartwarming show too, which during the pandemic is like super important, I think, for everybody. So it's funny because the show originally kicks off, it's based on uh, when NBC bought the rights to the English Premier League, just their, their soccer league, they made these commercials starring Ted Lasso, American football coach, coming over to be a coach for a soccer team, a Premier League team. And of course, the clash of cultures in these commercials. And somehow, some way, Jason Sudeikis was Ted Lasso convinced Apple to make the show. And if you're coming at it from the perspective of the TV ads, you, you're surprised at how differently it turns. Uh, but it's awesome. It's really, really heartwarming, really funny. Uh, you're surprised by the characters. But yeah, it's it, for 10 episodes, 30 minutes each, you just enjoy yourself. It's There's no stress with it. It's just fun. By the way, and speaking of homework, um, you guys have ruined me. Um, Endgame was on TNT, I think the other day and watching that and I, and Brittany and I were watching it was at the final battle. And I, I said, I don't, I don't think that there is a better action movie ending than that battle scene in Endgame. That they was just, that was just so well done from beginning to end um, as far as tracking where the battle was going, but that just, and the emotional impact to it. I mean, I think, you know, I said to Scott Colesby, I said, you know, I understand that's what star Wars was going for with the rise of Skywalker, but man, did they miss because this was, you know, then you realize this is how many movies building up to that point, you know? So anyway, I, this is not, I, I, you guys have ruined me. That is just, I'm just going to say, <laughs> well, Speaking of Marvel, right quick, I'll go move to the next bit. The king of transitions. There we go. Segway. Just to mention, so Kevin Feige was doing uh, uh, interviews regarding WandaVision, their new Marvel Disney Plus TV show. And one of the uh, guys over at Collider asked him about the rumors that he was going to be producing a a Disney Star Wars movie. So they asked him point blank whether he was involved in Star Wars, besides the movie he's going to... No, here's how the way the guy says, in a bid to get to the bottom of, all the, bottom of all the rumors, when I spoke to him yesterday, I asked him point blank if he was involved in Star Wars besides the movie he is producing. He said, not at all. Now, what you need to know is that he normally apparently doesn't lie. You know, he's normally, if he doesn't want to answer so, so a question, the, so the question, the question was besides the one he's producing. Right. Besides okay. the one he's making. Okay. So that, that is confirmed then by, okay. Yeah. So he's not, he's not looking because there's some expectation from certain sections of the fandom that he's going to come in and take over Kathleen Kennedy, kind of start running over Lucasfilm and the dude's already lined up phase five of the MCU. So he's not going anywhere from where he's at. However, kids, what do we say about when somebody denies something in a Star Wars interview? Believe nothing. Don't, don't, don't put stock into it. But anyway, okay. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> uh, but it's just, it's interesting that, you know, he felt compelled to at least say that. But no. Uh, speaking of people in interviews, uh, Pedro Pascal was being interviewed. Uh, this has come from NME. Anyway, uh, was being, having, doing an interview with IndieWire. They're talking to him about, Wonder Woman 1984 and Mandalorian success, you know, with season two. 
So they, they asked them about potential crossovers between the new upcoming Disney Plus Star Wars shows. So, you know, Mandalorian, Ahsoka, Rangers of the New Republic. And, uh, and so he says, I am told what's happening and what the plan is, but I cannot share it. They are in the expansion of this world, so they're working on making it bigger, uh, where there are so many unexpected surprises and timelines that are going to be dealt with. He does add, if the character, if the Din, were to cross over into these worlds, it will be utilized in a way that isn't meant to be expected. I wouldn't want to spoil the surprise of whether or not characters from our show or this show will, we already know are going to cross over into something new. See, the article I saw said timelines, and that threw me off for a second. I was like, yeah. oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Because, you know, when I hear timelines, I'm thinking, you know, is it <laughs> sequel, prequel, you know, original, you know, it's like, are we going to do Star Wars time? Are we going to be doing a world between worlds, you know, type of thing? But right, that's right. not what he's time talking about. Or... He's talking about, you know, um, Mrs. Garrett in, you know, um, Facts of Life and Different Strokes. So, you know, it's same timeline, like... just... Different, different uh, shows, sure. Shows, right. Different perspective of the shows. And, uh, well, I mean, uh, there's already a predecessor for that. I know that's happened in other TV shows that are sharing a universe. Uh, speaking of sharing universes, uh, there were, Collider was also interviewing Jason Isaacs regarding, you know, they started talking about seeing Bo-Katan, so seeing Katie Sackhoff bring that character to life in The Mandalorian. And they start asking him about it. And he says, I'm open to anything. It's always about the script. I don't want to just turn up so I can take some photographs, go to conventions. I like to play the part. So the, the Inquisitor was a great part when I played it. And if the Inquisitor was a great part again, I'd be up for it. I'm not sure I've got the patience of Doug Jones, who's the guy who made the, uh, the Shape of Water, the Fishman in the Shape of Water. And is one <laughs> of the best known uh physical creature actors. He says, I don't know how many hours I like to spend in prosthetics. But yeah, Katie had a very good time. I know Katie and I'll say I've loved being part of the Star Wars world. They've invited me in though although I've only ever been an animated character before. So, so okay, so here's the thing that, that kind of drives me bonkers. Um, and it goes it goes back to, you know, people's you know wanting Ashley Eckstein to be, you know, um, ah Ahsoka in Ahsoka. The Mandalorian. And nothing, nothing against Ashley Eckstein, but it's like, just because it, 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 like we get hung up on the voice and, you know, can you, you know, the, the but the Bo-Katan thing was totally different because, you know, Bo-Katan was voiced by Ka Katie Sackhoff and was modeled after Katie Sackhoff. I mean, so, right. um, I mean you can you can you can put me in all the prosthetics you want and put me in you know all the costumes you want but is it going to you know is is it going to be the character is the is it just the voice we're looking for because if it's just the voice we're looking for then nobody other than James Earl Jones from 1977 through Seven. 1983 should be voicing Darth Vader you know what i mean no, it's if that's no, what we're looking I get for you. and i think it's it depends on the character like i could see I don't know if you remember, Jason Essex is best known to most people as uh, Lucius Malfoy. Yeah. Uh, so the Draco's dad. <clears throat> so you can totally see him fitting in the outfit of the Grand Inquisitor 
just it's just a question of getting the the face to look right. Now, how willing is he to do that much? To me, the bigger question is: we last saw him fall into his quote unquote death, as I make air quotes in an audio podcast, uh, at the end of Rebel season one. So where's he been all this time if he wasn't dead? So, oh, he was dead. I I'm thinking that I'm thinking about a prequel. I'm I'm thinking about a buddy cop, like buddy road movie, <laughs> well, could, him and Vader. Well, that's the thing. Jedi. That's the thing. He could be he could be in the Obi Wan series easily. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. much so. Uh, but that's how, exactly what you would expect him to be in. However, I want to get back to the point that I have. I guess this is Aaron, you know, speaking. I mean, I have an easier time getting past the voice than I do, mm-hmm. you know the look you know what i mean it's because it's like if you read it's when you read a book it's like the, it, you know you you, you picture you, it you get this away. you get this picture and if that picture does not line up i mean people just go nuts um mm-hmm. you know and the voice I mean, it's, there are so many talented voice actors i mean how many times have we heard you know in rebels and in um you know, heck, probably even a little bit in the Rise of Skywalker. You know, some voice actors for you know Carrie Fisher. You know, what I mean, sure. it's like you can and like I said again, Darth Vader. So I can get past the voice. I'm just getting, I'm getting a little like a little irritated that it's like because Jason Isaacs, Jason Isaacs, yeah, just because yes. Jason Isaacs voiced the Grand Inquisitor doesn't mean he's the only person on planet Earth to play the Grand Inquisitor. But some fans feel that way. And well, it's, and yeah. look at and look at it and look at it this way. Take a role that's famous for the voice, like the Joker, like Mark Hamill's take on the Joker, which is all voice acted and animated. I'm sorry, Cesar Romero. Well, my point, <laughs> my point is going to be when it came time to cast a real life Joker for The Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan didn't go looking for Mark Hamill. He went to Heath Ledger and he even said, I don't want you to do what the other guys have done. I want you to come up with your own thing. And you know, when Mark Hamill saw Heath Ledger, he's like, he's perfect for this. He's doing it beautifully because it was a different take on the character. And sometimes I think because we all, Star Wars exists within its timeline, its own universe, we like to think the characters may not change, may, may not, cannot be any different. But that's not the case. I mean, you can have an actor or a, or a character be different from one project to another. Well, and especially something, and I don't want to belabor all this, but especially something mm-hmm. like a character like the Grand Inquisitor, for example, which was mm-hmm. in a handful of episodes in Rebels. It's not like something that's been fleshed out for, you know, decades, you know. Um, so, you know, yeah. I, I, but I just get back to the point that I, I, I wish we could get past the, you know, and of course, after I just said, no, don't put anybody other than Harrison Ford you know, in, but that gets back into my, into the look that would just be totally disjunct to see Alden Ehrenreich after return of the Jedi, you know, that would just be off putting, you know? Um, so anyway, but you know, what's interesting has been that they have not had to deal with recasting in live action for the most part. It's like somebody, you know, like Carrie K. Fisher's death is is like the biggest hurdle I can think of that they had to try to overcome. Um, but like, if you think back, like, are there any other examples that you can even think of in Star Wars? Um, it's, just, it's. I was gonna say just Alden. 
Alden and Han, and that's because yeah. you literally could not bring young Harrison Ford back. You don't have a time machine. Well, and I and I get to the. I mean, I come back to it that I I would I hope that Lucasfilm. I mean, the the Carrie Fisher thing. It was an odd circumstance. Hopefully, you know, and um, you know, God forbid we have to deal with anything like that again. But if they're like going, we're going to make a new movie. You know, or we, we want to tell this story. Let's say we want to tell this story about Luke Skywalker and Grogu. We want to tell this story. Then again, I've said it on the podcast before. Then put that in a book or in a comic book. You know, something where you can get away or an animated series where you can get yeah. away with that because you could get Mark Hamill then to voice, you know, an animated series and you could, you know, increase the pitch a little bit to sound a little bit younger, whatnot. But you know, then, but just to go with a total new dude to play Luke Skywalker, I, I just think, uh, no, I think you've got other venues to tell the stories. It doesn't have to be live action. You know, Fredo too, there are other examples of going backwards like that, obviously, with the prequels. I mean, you have Anakin, you have Obi-Wan. Right. Um, but like going forwards, you know, in a continuous timeline, they haven't had to deal with that that, and i'm sorry you brought up the obi-wan thing that would have been an interesting you know kind of conundrum that if let's say all of a sudden if you had an obi-wan force ghost in the rise of skywalker Mm -hmm. and you or in uh or in the mandalorian you know or or let's or put you know let's say you have obi-wan show up on octu instead of yoda you know you can't have alec guinness luke luke never knew the McGregor. McGregor version of that, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. so what version of the ghost is, you know what I mean? It's like, you're opening yourself yeah. into this nerddom rabbit hole. That is it really worth, you know, what the you're stress. getting yourself into. So it's like, Oh hell, let's just put Yoda in there. It's better. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, and that's just it. And that goes back to, you're trying to be respectful to the fan base, but at the same time, you have to create your project. You have to be willing to go. This is what we want to do. And if that means we got to recast a character that fans love and we get some flack for it, so be it. Because we feel that the story we want to tell is more important than somebody getting butthurt about this, just the way it is. Uh, really, the only, by the way, Dave, the only one I thought of immediately was uh, Chewie. And that's because <laughs> Juna Suotamo took over for uh, Peter Mayhew. But besides that, and he's in full costume, so. You don't tell the difference. You know, I, I'm going to say though, Fredo, as from speaking from a band point of view, the Eagles, the last thing they ever wanted to sing was "Take It to the Limit," and you know, um, you know, "Peaceful Easy Feeling," when they were in their you know 60s. But by God, they did it, you know, because people wanted to hear it. So it's like you can't. There, there is a certain part of it uh, when you have that fan base and that audience, you can't mm-hmm. just get up in front of them and say, "Well, you can," but you're going to be shooting yourself in the foot to say no, I don't care what you guys think. We're going to, we're never going to sing, take it to the limit ever again. And to hell with you. And I mean, well, it's so. To, see, uh, to me, to me, the point isn't that you're saying to hell with them is that you're willing to say, look, we want to make a solo single movie. We literally cannot have Harrison Ford portray him because the story that we're making 
precludes him. But see, he, you're talking cool. about a different situation where you're going no, backwards. No, no, no. You're going backwards. So you're not going to tick okay. off people because then it's like, yeah, I can buy somebody else being Han Solo. But for 30 some years, Harrison Ford has been Han Solo. And then if you're going to say at year 31, it's going to be somebody else then it's like you're like I said you're opening so that's when i said that's me, when i say i think you've got other avenues to tell a story you know so, so. let me ask them then would you be upset if alden shows up in the book of boba fett yeah okay yeah because that's that's harrison ford from from a new hope through you know rise, rise of skywalker, skywalker. It's Harrison Ford land. Alden Ehrenreich is, you know, before then I have no problem with that. And, you know, it, because it, it's that, you know, again, it's that, that paradigm of the person I'm looking, it takes, it would take me totally out of the story because it, unless again, I don't have a problem with the story being told. If it's in a book, then I can picture in my, my own brain that that's Harrison Ford looking at me, you know, um, boy, that sounded dirty, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but you know what I mean, and, and I'm sure that they have they have to have these conversations. It's like well, you know you, you have to, and, and that's why you know secondary characters people, get picked up. You, know, you you have to because you can't bring everybody back the people, way they were. People lost their you know didn't really lose their minds, but they kind of there was a little bit of controversy in the Force Awakens with hearing both Alec Guinness and Ewan McGregor in the Force back scene. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was kind of. It was kind of odd, um, but uh, but you know I guess you know whatever it, it, it I kind of no. got away from that, but it was just yeah I don't know. Sorry, I didn't uh, mean no. to belabor this, but it's you know um, no no because because it gets to a point. As fans, we all want we all or a good section of the fan base grew up with Clone Wars and Rebels, and they've seen these characters animated, and now they're coming into live action. And a lot of them are going to have to come to grips with the fact that some are going to make the transition seamlessly, like, say, Bo-Katan did with Katie Sackhoff. Some, there's going to be some adjustment, like Ahsoka, where instead of Ashley Eckstein, who was the voice, it's Rosario Dawson, because she looks and sounds and feels better for this character right now in live action. And some may sound completely different. I mean, again, we know that Thrawn's coming somewhere down the pipeline. What if he looks and sounds, what if he sounds completely different to what everybody's accustomed to from rebels and from the books again it's whatever the story that the creators want to tell it, that's what they got to serve but there's a lot of baggage that comes with each and every one of the characters that we like controversy and dave's sitting there staring at us like will you two shut up and move on with the <laughs> <laughs> get on with it get on with it get on with it Okay, so I'll get on with it. Last bit of news, and this is actually happier news. If you uh, are looking to send some mail, the post office will help you by selling you some. Up, you know, pretty soon in spring 2021, we're gonna get Star Wars droids postage stamps. So it's 20 stamps. That not droid, featured. not droids. The animated series from '84 or whatever, no, but yeah, no, no. like oh. Well, no, no, hold on. Before you boo, you're gonna get. Droids like IG-11, R2-D2, K2SO, DO, L337, BB-8, C-3PO, a 2-1-B surgical droid, 
a Gronk droid. You even get a Gronk droid in this. And you said a least, you said a Gronk droid. Yeah, yeah, to- <laughs> totally. A, yes, uh, Rob Gronkowski has a droid. Actually, he probably sounds like like a Gronk droid. He probably does. And, and then Gronk, last but not Gronk. least, Chopper. You're gonna get a chopper postage stamp. All right, which so, yeah. which one of those which one of those stands out as the one of oh crap, we need one more droid to finish the set. Which one? <laughs> the gong droid. No, that's one of that's a fan favorite. I'm talking two one B. Let's let's take let's take the medical droid from Empire Strikes Back. It's on the screen for all of you know two seconds, <laughs> yeah. and you know, and then fixes Luke's hand at the end. It was like shoot, we need another we need another droid here. I had that action figure. I've got it in a case <laughs> right over here, actually. <laughs> so they're coming in. Apparently, uh, they're going to share some of the proceeds with Star Wars Horses Change and uh, a global K-12 nonprofit organization called For Inspiration and Recognition of Science and Technology. So no, expanding awesome. STEM uh, teaching across the world. You know, so come spring, go get your stamps. My, my grandma always gave us... Uh, like, like encourage the stamp collection. So we had all these, you know, the, yeah. So I have to well, dig I mean, those out and go get my Star Wars stamps because I can't remember the last time I mailed anything. Well, get, get them now and save them for Christmas and you can mail all your Christmas cards with Star Wars stamps. Why would I give people my Star Wars stamps? <laughs> I'm saying you can buy two. Okay. <laughs> See, that's how, that's how they get One you. to more, one to keep. And that's it for the news. All right. Hey, thanks, Fredo. And uh, yeah, there'll be plenty of the Monty Python get on with it in that in that <laughs> spot there. Um, get on with it. Yes, get on with it. So, like I said, tonight, to continue the controversy, we are going to talk about our famous, our famous, our favorite. Our world um, famous. Our, our favorite um, lightsaber battles now we we had a little bit of discussion about this it's like all right so can is it just li- is it just live action or is it live action and animation we decided anything's fair game and then i opened my mouth today and said well wait now wait a minute are we talking about lightsaber duel or is it just lightsaber action because you know if we say duel then i think you're missing out on some scenes and dave ended up just kind of saying shut up and just pick whatever you want no he didn't say it like that he said it very very nicely um but so we you know these are so we just we're characterizing this as our favorite light you know action scenes with lightsabers so and uh, least favorite and we also have the least favorite yes because like i said if it was if there was no controversy it'd be a boring podcast um so let's see who uh i'll let's have dave start us off what we're gonna do is we're gonna do a round robin everybody give you know one of your top and we'll just go around you don't have to give a long dissertation as to why um you know but uh yeah go for it dave start us off all right i'm gonna start with a deep cut um from the legends nerd yes the Clone Wars micro series, uh, the debut of General Grievous and his battle against Kia Di Mundi, Shakti, Isla Secura, and many others. Um, I just loved this because it was just absurdly entertaining and kind of frightening because Grievous shows up on screen and just immediately starts overwhelming Jedi. 
And like the character design is really cool. He's got multiple lightsabers that he's wielding at once. He, uh, again, he's formidable. He dispatches um, some of these Jedi, and the only ones who survived made it out of there because of a clone intervention. Um, and I think like this particular sequence, um, anyone who saw this held or continues to hold Grievous in a much greater esteem than anyone who just saw him in Revenge of the Sith. And for me, it's like had to be included. So cool. I haven't, you know, I haven't seen that micro series, and I was, uh, yeah, I, I want to after seeing a few clips because I, you know, doing a little bit of research to make sure I wasn't missing anything, and I did see that clip. And now I want to see that series. So because there was one, I don't know if I'm stealing anything, but is the battle between? Uh, no, I won't even say it. Never mind. Fredo, what's your first? Well, actually, you, you probably were going to mention the one that I was going to go with, which is also from the micro series, and it's Anakin versus Asajj Ventress. See, I'm glad I shut my dang mouth. Okay. Because that, <laughs> and, and here's what I like. I mean, first of all, if you haven't seen the micro series, if you're just coming from uh, Dave Filoni's show, it can be quite jarring because three to five minute episodes, uh, they're 20 minutes in total, particularly for that. I want to say that first season was only three minutes each, so it's only an hour in total. But the amount of storytelling that that Gedi Tartakovsky condensed into that series, but particularly that duel, because the whole idea is uh, Count Dooku and Lord Sidious uh, hire Asajj to, they, they tell her she's Sith, and they basically send her out to lure Anakin away to the Temple of Yavin 4, and basically be, this says kill him. That's not their plan. Their plan is to see how far they can push them towards the dark side. And just the amount of storytelling, the way that it goes from the jungle into the pyramid, on top of the pyramid. And yeah, it ends up with Anakin's rather close. You know, he's always a bit close to the dark side. And it's just a really, really well done in terms of storytelling with action. It's very little dialogue, but it's with action. It's amazing. Cool. Well, my first one, and again, I'm not, I'm going in no particular order. So this is not like my, uh, who knows if, which one of these is my favorite, favorite. Um, actually, this one probably is one of my, one of my favorites. Um, and it is the, the Ray and Kylo in The Force Awakens. And uh, I mean, and because I think it's because it's bookended with probably two of my favorite moments in the Star Wars saga. One is the lightsaber flying into Ray's hand, um, which when I was watching Endgame and Thor's hammer went flying into, you know, Captain America's hand, I was like, yeah, Star Wars did it first. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, at least on film. Uh, but anyway, uh, no, starting with that, ending with her just, you know, whomping, you know, uh, almost taking off Kylo's head. Um, but the, the, but the, the battle is filled with so much emotion, probably more emotion than uh, I, I, I'm more moved by that one. Well, I, I won't, I won't get into that. Um, but there, there's just so, so much emotion, um, love, especially the moment where Kylo's got her almost pinned. And then it's like, it's, if you're watching her eyes, the red and the blue are in a cross pattern. She closes her eyes thinking about the force and when she opens her eyes, they're, 
it's red on blue right on top of each other. And it really does show, you know, Ray is operating in both the good and the bad side of the force. She's using a lot of dark side force, but um, it's just, I, I just love, love that battle. And it, it's also, it's choreographed, but it's not as choreographed as a lot of the lightsaber duels. It doesn't appear because it just looks raw. Like I'm just whomping you with a lightsaber. But so that was my first one. Dave. Uh, my second choice uh, is uh, Ahsoka Tano versus Darth Maul in the Clone Wars. This was uh, in my honorable mentions. Uh, I really dug this one as well. I, I, there's so many animated choices. There's Clone Wars and Rebels and everything. You could pick so many different ones. Um, this one, the, the one I gravitate towards it, um, I... I love it because of the motion capture. It just made a tremendous difference for me here. Yeah, because it was um, it was Ray Park and um, a stunt woman. Yeah, that they actually. I mean, it wasn't like they weren't drawn. They uh, those actors doing it. Yeah, they choreographed that whole thing, fought it out, uh, and then they motion captured them and trans and transferred it to uh, animation. And I. I just it made such a huge difference because like most of the animated battles end up looking really stylized. They move super quick. You can barely follow what's going on. It's just you know saber, uh, animated sabers swinging across the screen so fast you can't tell what happened. Um, here you can really see what's happening. Uh, the choreography spot on. The banter is great. Um, and the other thing I like about this is that it's kind of sad and tragic for the participants because we all know how this story ends. I mean, at the end of the day, they feel like they're in a battle of grave consequence, but we know the two of them aren't going to factor into Anakin's corruption, which is what they think they can affect in some way. But we know that the die have already been cast. Um, and so there's just like this sadness to it too. I just, I just, I love everything about this duel. So for me, it's second on my list. Cool. Fredo. So for me, I'm going to go with the second duel between Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, the one in Return of the Jedi. It's surprising because at first, the, the not, one, not in oh, the force cave, but on Bespin. No, no, no. On the on Death Star two. Oh, okay. So the third one. Return of the Jedi. Yeah, because originally I wanted to go with the one on Bespin. Part of me had uh wanted to put that in there because it's just so iconic. But then the more I thought about it, the more I uh, went back and assessed that is just not only is the choreo fight choreography so impactful in much more you know close at hand in in the one in the Return of Jedi, but just the stakes just get amped up big time because the battle's happening outside, Emperor Palpatine's hanging them on. It's just, there's so much going on. I think uh, it, my estimation on it has increased the more I've gone back and looked at it. So yeah, that for that reason, you know, it's got to be in my top three. So it's, yeah, it's choreographed and all of these obviously are choreographed. Right, uh, right, right. But, but here's the thing that, that makes this duel pretty good, the, the Jedi duel, is that it, it looks like two people trained in fencing, you know, mm -hmm. having a street fight. 
you know, so that you're going to have these fundamentals that you're using, but you know, um, it's they not, go away. It, it's not like dancing with the Jedi or anything like that. You know what I mean? Which there are some lightsaber duels that we'll probably talk about later. That seems like dancing with the Jedi, you know, where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, and a one and a two and a spin and a hit and then you jump and, you know, it's, um, right. so, but this one, it, it does, it looks like it's choreographed, but it looks like, again, we're just relying on our fundamentals as swordsmen and it's a street fight. So I, I would- interesting is you get for the first time i think in the entire original trilogy you get a sense that darth vader doesn't want to kill this is the first time i think you know whereas in the first duel he was i'm going to hurt you and embarrass you to to you either quit and concede and turn to the dark side or die or i kill you in this instance there is a conflict you can totally tell that there's a conflict within vader in the way that he's dueling with luke and that there's a conflict in Luke, because Luke doesn't want to, you know, the Luke in Empire wants to kill Vader. The Luke in Jedi is looking to redeem him. So it creates a dynamic where neither guy really wants to be doing this, but they're doing it because they feel compelled. And it's great use of music behind it, too. So, oh, yeah. Big time. Um, so mine also has great music behind it. Uh, my next one is uh, the Darth Maul, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan duel in episode one. Um and again, they're having a Star Wars marathon on TNT this weekend. And so I was watching this on uh, TNT. And the thing that struck me, there is not one word spoken in that entire duel. And I mean, and as much as Duel of the Fates, the music, you know, st- sticks out like a sore, like well, it sticks out like a bigger thumb, not a sore thumb, but I mean, it's because it's good music, but it sticks out in the whole repertoire of, star wars um but it's still it's awesome for this duel um and like i said not a word is spoken and it, it yeah it's choreographed but not it like i said it's not as it it it's just well and here's the thing though is that this was the lightsaber duel that we were all begging for as kids because you know obi-wan and vader in a new hope is like the the two old guys and family guy having a having a fight you know um in empire and and jedi it, it's still and they're, they're still all they're just all really kind of labored and slow this one was when especially when obi-wan and darth maul start going head to head it's just it's fast and it is you can just see how powerful they are um yeah, it's and it's entertaining from the start all the way to the end. Um, so yeah, that's that's my next one. That's my choice for number one. I mean, it, it's my favorite uh, still, and I just think like what you, you sort of pinpointed it—the fact that there's just really no dialogue other than Obi Wan shouting out no. Yeah, <laughs> they got nothing to say. It's on site. It's on. It's they like gangs. They saw each other. It's on site. Well, you know, it's the one bo- of those things. The, you know, it's the, it's it's what the Incredibles. It's what Syndrome said. It's like, oh, you got me monologuing. You know, it's like I, I was actually thinking about that watching Endgame. It's like they got Thanos monologuing. Somebody should have like you know taken him out at that point. But yeah, so here, yeah, there's there's no monologuing. The the body language tells the story. 
Yeah. You know, it's like everything you want to know about all of these characters comes out in their physical movements. And I really like Filoni's take on this duel, which is that it has such larger stakes than people really give it credit for. Because Qui-Gon's death really sets Anakin on a path to darkness. And more than any other event maybe in that kid's life. Um, and I just... I love I love it. I love everything about it. A lot of people like try to downgrade it because of the lack of dialogue or the lack of stakes or whatever. No. No, it all works. Fredo, what's what's your final uh, favorite? Final favorite, man. I was kind of debating about putting this one on, but eventually I was like, no, you have to put it in. And that's uh Anakin versus Obi-Wan in Revenge of the Sith. And it's technically not the most proficient. That's the one in episode one. Episode one is the one where you go, these are guys who are committed to their cause at the peak of their powers. There's nothing, you know, Obi-Wan, when he launches himself at Maul, is looking to kill Maul. You know, I don't care what they say about peace, justice, you know, we use this for the fence. The dude's going for a head. Whereas the one in uh, Revenge of the Sith between Anakin and Obi-Wan Again, kind of like the duel in Jedi, there's almost this push-pull of, are we really going to do this? You know, Anakin, you know, respects and loves Obi-Wan, but he's given himself wholly to the dark side. And Obi-Wan is conflicted because that's his brother, that's the child he raised, and yet he knows all the evil that he's done. So they're almost, you know, their minds are not lined up with what they want to do, but they almost feel compelled. Like, this is what we have to do. They're caught in by the trap that Sidious has laid out for them for the past decades. So uh, I love the way that it flows from the landing platform, through the control room, through the lava pits. Yes, it still sucks that it ends with the high ground. I wish, you know, to this day, I wish there had been a better way to finish that out, but so be it, it is what it is. Uh, but I think it really, I mean, in so many ways, that was the duel that everybody had been waiting for. And it's great to finally get it. So uh, my my final favorite um, is Yoda Dooku in episode two. And I remember we, we saw a clip of this at Celebration 2 when we went to the session with, with Rick McCallum. And... I was over the moon with it then. I was over the moon with it when it came out. And when I got my first big screen TV, the first thing that I played on that thing was the Yoda Dooku lightsaber duel. Um, and it's, I, I know it catches some flack because it, you know, it's like Kermit the Frog in Treasure Island jumping around, you know, and stuff like that. But uh, the thing that's so dang cool about it is how much the force is at play within Yoda. And when you think about an empire, when he says, you know, my ally is the force, you know, you hear, you heard that line. And then he, you see that in episode two in this duel, because here he comes hobbling in. And then all of a sudden it's the canes down and he, you know, uses the force. He doesn't even reach down to it. He's so, I mean, he is, so, he's so gangster. He doesn't even like reach down and grab his light. He uses the force to get his lightsaber off of his belt buckle. And 
And then he just goes nuts and he's bouncing around and jumping around and, and like, and holding his own and he's, you know, talking some, some smack. And then I love it when it's all done, then he grabs his cane and hobbles off again, you know, (laughs) but he's also, he's also using the force to keep the pillar from collapsing on Anakin and Obi-Wan. But it's like how you, you see how much the force is at play during a lightsaber duel. And it's really the only time that you see that. Um, so that was a theater moment too. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, and that's like, you. T- you talk about you know everybody want this the lightsaber duel that everybody's waiting for is Anakin and Obi Wan. I mean, to see Yoda handle a lightsaber, that's what everybody was waiting for. I mean, and like I said, I I'm still I still love the dang scene. Um, so I don't know if everybody was waiting for it. I know that everybody had questioned it. I thought of it and figured, well, he's a Jedi. He should have a lightsaber. And then when you see it, I, I still remember seeing the, you know, hearing the audience just lose their minds the moment he pulls the his cloak back and there's the lightsaber. And he just, with his hand, just uses the force, push it to this other hand. And it was like, yeah, it, it was like that, that oh. bit was filmed by Quentin Tarantino. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, he pulls the, the, his, his uh, right. robe back it's, and then, you know. It, um, in many ways, that was an endgame moment, kind of like the moment in endgame where everybody, turns up that was an endgame moment yeah. for that audience so uh, uh so now we can go around the horn if you have one i'm just going to throw out an honorable mention because i was struggling between um yoda dooku and this other one and that is yoda and obi-wan breaking into the jedi temple <laughs> i love that scene because it shows who the two most powerful jedi actually are i mean how many clones are there and it's like they have not a problem whatsoever. You got chucking of lightsabers and reanking it out and slashing down another one. Yeah, that that's an honorable mention. Love that scene. Any honorable mentions, Dave? I got a half dozen. I'll let Fredo go first. Uh, actually, uh, the one the one that I really struggle and I kind of question whether or not I could even include it, but honorable mention I'll include it now. Scene thirty eight revisited. I know everybody. I thought about it. that too. That would that would make me if that I would I would be highly behind them doing something like that, doing a special special edition of mm-hmm. uh, a, new hope. a new hope and and doing that. <laughs> Maybe a little not so much with the music. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, with the Clone Wars music or yeah. the prequel music. But I love the the physicality of it. Again, yes, we know it's an old you know, old Ben versus uh, Darth Vader, but. The, there's moments in it where yes they're using the force but later on when vader gets wounded it just starts punching and smacking and using the force to throw ben kenobi out and i'm like you know if i had seen that as a 10 year old i think my brain would have melted but get back to what i was saying about yoda you know he comes hobbling mm-hmm. in i mean if you, it's not so we've put it into canon that you use the force and it's in video games too you use force mm-hmm. powers to make yourself a little bit more stronger in this battle or whatever you know, Obi Wan could have done that. You know, it's it mm-hmm. would not have it it would would have been far fetched in 1977. It would not be far fetched now. So yeah. I, I'm with you on that one. All right, Dave, yeah. you're my my you're huge Cody. list. Uh, okay, Yoda versus Sidious throwing pods at each other. Love that. Love the symbolism. Yeah, the symbolism of it and the actual execution is so great. Obi-Wan versus Django Fett on the platform. 
so much fun watching a Jedi in his prime have so many problems with this bounty hunter because it's like, yeah, no, he's he's re- actually that good. Um, Obi Wan versus Maul in the Clone Wars uh, or in Rebels, um, the end. I thought about Maul. that. One. I thought about putting that one on here as well. Um, I think it was the perfect moment for that story. I thought it was the perfect conclusion for Maul. Um, I probably just wasn't quite actiony enough to make my list. Um, Ahsoka versus Vader in Rebels. Yes. Um, so much of that uh, has some. It has so much emotional heft. Um, but again, it was for me. It was kind of undone by the flashy nature of it. Um, and then Luke versus um, Kylo Ren in uh, Last Jedi, um, which I think a lot of people have mixed feelings on. Uh, but me personally, it's just that it was so gorgeous. Yeah. It was gorgeously shot and it was perfectly revealed and it was in character for for both participants. It was just yeah, spot I've, on. And I've, I've said it before that 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 scene that's Luke being the only Jedi who is walking the walk and, mm-hmm. or yeah, because he's using the force for defense, not for attack. Yeah. You know, every, every Jedi, uh, you know, talks out of both ends of their mouths, um, you know, and straight out of something else. Sometimes they, they, they don't practice what they preach, but Luke was at that point. So I thought it was spot on. Um, also, can I throw one more right quick before we? Well, Dave gave ten, so yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I was just going to mention Ahsoka versus the Magistrate in The Mandalorian, mm. just because I love the way that it was shot. The choreography was simple, but I love the fact that they were physical, that they were going at it. Uh, I love that. You no, know, at the end, it's a minor move that wins it. So it's short, but uh, again, it's it's not about length; it's about how you telling the story to want to tell and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, oh, get out of the gutter. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, I'll get, I'll get us out of the gutter <laughs> with go. one more, one more honorable mention, Ben and Ray in the <laughs> throne room and Snook's throne room. That, yeah. That's what started off this whole thing is that, you know, it can't be, if that's not a duel, you know, it's so it can, cause I was considering that one. I love, I, I love that battle, but it's not a lightsaber duel. Neither was Obi-Wan and Yoda in outside of the Jedi temple, but yeah. So yeah, yeah no, that was, but, that was a lot of fun. I mean, and again, you're talking about the cinematography of it, just the way that they, the whole red and black background and then with all the fire and the flames uh, everywhere. It just, it was really well done. That was a, a holy crap moment in the theater too, where it's like, Oh my God, we're doing this. We're doing this. This is amazing. You remember like the month after Last Jedi came out, everybody kept cutting in like Immigrant Song or (laughs) some whatever other song they wanted to that first minute and a half of that battle. It was just fun. Like, be like, well, they're putting that. Oh, they're putting too legit to quit. Okay. All right. So I'm going to kick off the bottom three. Okay. And, uh, Fredo, I'm going to disagree with you, and I'm going to say Anakin Obi-Wan in Episode 3. And this is probably my least favorite lightsaber battle. I think it's a mess. I, it looks like a slap fight. It's, um, 
I, I think because of it, 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 I'm glad that I don't have any neurological disorders because it would have driven me even more batty. It was, I, I, and I, I hated the floating around on the lava and swinging at each other on the, hanging on the pole and yeah, the, the high ground thing didn't bother me as much. It was the crappy acting throughout the whole the whole battle it was it's it's just a mess i i don't like it i it i it's one of those things that if i could fa- I, I would probably fast forward through it when i when i watch it um because i don't think it lives up to what it was built up to i nearly I think- had a shocked gasp uh <laughs> i may have to insert shocked gasp no, at, to- at the <laughs> fast forward remark you need to put up dun dun dun. I just, I just, I just, I don't, I don't like it. It's, I mean, it, um, yeah. I mean, you, that, that type of battle between those two should have been more like Kylo Ren and Ray. That it should have been all emotion and like sucker punching and it just, every stroke I'm trying to kill you from Anakin, not trying to one up Darth Maul on how fast we can move. That's how, that's what it was. It's like, let's see, this is going to be the fastest lightsaber duel and the longest lightsaber duel ever. You know, it, it just, and it, um, so it, you know, those, that type of, you know, the emotion that was in there, it needed to be more close quartered. It actually needed, more dialogue because I mean, it's, it it needed to be a a little bit more. uh, I don't know. It was just, it's it's, uh, that that tells me, that tells me that you don't like it because on the one end you're saying there's dialogue, but on the other end you're saying you want more dialogue. Well, but the thing was that, that, you know, Darth Maul, no, Darth Maul and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan did not know each other. So it makes sense that there's no dialogue. If, if I am fighting my best friend and brother, there's going to be a lot more of what in the heck are you, why are you doing this? This is not you stop this. And like, I'm going to kill you not waiting until the very end. And it's like, I hate you. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. I just, I just think what they wanted to do was do something flashy and, and the fastest and biggest lightsaber duel ever. And it looked like a slap fight. So disagree with me, Twitter and Dave and Fredo all you want. But I just think, I just think that lightsaber duel was a letdown for for that movie and you can add him at at aaron underscore Snowboard. yeah good luck spelling my last name so yeah so anyway so that I, I got the most controversial one out of the out of the bag and and by the way guys i was I, watching episode three again the other day again on tnt and i'm just realizing how much i it's getting more and more where i dislike that movie it's it's just I, I and I feel bad about that. I, I need to stop watching it so I don't start to be just more negative than I am right now. So I just need to stop talking about it so that I can get the energy <laughs> level back up to where yay, it's a Star Wars movie. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, well, you so, know what? I'll I'll start talking about it. Go for so, it. So so wait wait, are we gonna watch a movie next week? <laughs> 
and we're gonna and we'll have <laughs> a we'll have a, podcast we'll have a swear counter we'll have a swear counter like when when south park said the s word you know like they're gonna mm-hmm. say it 160 times it's aaron's gonna say you know see how many times McClunky, McClunky. McClunky. so dave you're you're gonna start talking about it well the three of us if when we do do the watch of that movie the three of us are gonna have to come fully armed with like every talking point that we want to touch on because i know it's gonna be Aaron ranting and Fredo and Dave defending. So, um, but that having been said, this this particular fight made my bottom three too. Yay! Um, vindication. Uh, well, <laughs> this is a very this is a very divisive fight. I mean, it is for a lot of people. I know that when it first came out, there was a lot of debate on the internet about whether this was the best lightsaber duel ever, and then a lot of other people were like, "Huh." Not for me, um, and I'm more in the latter category, and I think this is my bottom three. I guess I'm not going to say, like, oh, they're terrible. They're beyond redemption. My bottom three are probably the most disappointing ones for me, and it's like maybe I built – maybe some of that comes from building up your expectations too much, which is what we always talk about on this show. Um, but I think like this particular fight, they needed to get it right. We waited a generation for the fight and it just didn't quite land for me as well as it could or should have. See kids, Um, this is why Dave negotiates everything for us because he's so much nicer about things. (laughs) (laughs) We try, you know, I try, um, but this this fight, I think that if I had to boil it down to like where it went wrong, I think it was just too much speed, like you said. Like it seemed like they were trying to swing their lightsabers as fast as they could. Um, like a slap fight. Think, yeah. Well, it was there was there was probably a lot of pressure on them to do that. We're gonna make this the fastest lightsaber fight ever, and and so then they did that. And on film, it doesn't work quite as well as. The mall fight does. Now think about this for a second. Okay, so we're talking about this. You and I are of the same mind here. Now imagine, and Dave Filoni does the exact opposite with Obi-Wan and Maul. I mean, we have been, they've been building up Obi-Wan and Maul and this final confrontation for, you know, seven, well, at that time, six seasons of the Clone Wars and, you know, and Phantom Menace and everything. And then it's boom, boom, dead. And it's like that was a gutsy decision on Filoni's part to do that. I I, I agree, so. but I also feel like Filoni's not without fault with some of his fights. With oh sure, with where it, yeah, you know, it's like hard to follow the action. Like that's my biggest critique with him. But um, I, I, you know, Aaron, where I'm with you on this particular fight, there probably could have been more dialogue, and you probably could have nailed that dialogue, like tighten it up rewrite it rewrite it rewrite it you know get it right well it's like in dukes um, of hazard when Bo and luke would have their fight there it wasn't just they just started punching each other it was always they're talking about what they're mad at each other about you know yeah, and well, in this fight we got the i'm on the side of democracy and i have an empire and then we just fight and then i have the high ground i yield the floor go ahead dave <laughs> i'll let i'll let actually i'll let fredo Jumping on the defense. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. No, actually, and it's understandable. And look, two things that we always have to, that, that I even said in, when I sang its praises. One, this is the duel that everybody been waiting for a generation. Everybody knew 
even before episode three shot a minute. That would be one of Darth Vader fought on this volcanic planet, and that's where Vader got injured, and that's why he's in the suit. So for a generation, people have been building up the expectation to it. Obviously, as with everything, once you imagine in your head, what's in your head, it's always going to be better than. That said, I think the difficulty with making, the, and this is where issues with the prequels kind of come to the foreground, because by this point, you should know kind of where Obi-Wan and Anakin stand. You should know that that's Darth Vader. I mean, you should you know. Thanks, you know, you don't need to need, maybe you do need more dialogue between brothers because they're brothers. But at this point, the fact that they're taking out their weapons and swinging at each other with intent to kill should really say it all. You, you don't need to hear Anakin, you know, trying to say, I'm going to kill you. Well, I can't do I'm going to kill you. Like, dude, you're literally swinging. The weapon that I know you've seen you use to murder a whole room full of people except, ten except, minutes prior to swing it at your best friend. Except like, for the fact that they did not do any. I, I, I still am not. Yeah, we're gonna have to do a Revenge of the Sith watch because I'm. I still think the way that they portrayed Anakin's fall to the dark side was clunky, clunky. and just not. It, it wasn't good, and well, and Obi Wan. Yeah, he saw a security tape. You know, imagine if you saw a security tape of your brother gunning down a kindergarten class. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you're going to say that my, then how's that start off? You know, it's, and so, you know, we, and prior, just, just prior to them, you know, picking up lightsabers against each other, Anakin's whispering sweet nothings to Padme about how wonderful life's going to be. And so like, I think that just set me off on the wrong foot where it's like, I'm not buying his fall to the dark side from the minute that he chopped off Mace Windu's arm. Um, I, I don't, I'm not buying that. So, and actually I can say honestly that from 19, you know, 77 to 1999, I did not envision what that lightsaber duel would look like. Mm -hmm. I knew that there, it was, again, it was like, man, what caused two brothers to stop to, to want to kill each other? That's what I thought about. And I didn't buy that storyline. Well, and I'll get us off of it because realistically, I mean, we can spend another hour talking about it, but I'll say, and I'll agree with y'all in this regard, dialogue and setup were the flaws here, but those were the overall flaws of the prequels. Mm -hmm. Those are flaws in episode one, yeah. in episode two, in episode three. And this is the problem that while we love them, we can't get away from, we can't remove the, the wheat from the shaft in this case. They're ingrained, the bad dialogue, the bad directing of actors saying lines, the bad exposition and the bad setups. These are all ingrained in the pudding that George Lucas cooked for all these movies. So when it comes to this particular duel and one I'm about to mention, the fact of the matter is that by this point, you can't un unring those bells. You're only, you're, you can only finish it through. So I'm actually going to mention a different duel from Revenge of the Sith for my first bottom duel. And that's Palpatine versus Mace and the other Jedi masters. All right. So I'll, I won't even say mine because I'm the same way as you. So go ahead. You just talk because that, no, that's, that's my next on my list. So go ahead. Yeah. And, and the reason I bring it, Number one, the whole speed thing, you can totally tell that 
Ian McDermott had no idea and no interest in swinging a lightsaber <laughs> up. And look, what's funny is he even admits it in the interviews. He's saying, no, I've never done this. And I wasn't really into it. You but, know, you know, George wanted me to do it. So I did it. You know, the other the other thing about that is like, because I just, again, just watched it the other day, is that the, the other, like the other three Jedi stand there like, you know, the bad guys fighting Batman. It's like they all mm-hmm. stand there going, hey, what are you doing? And then he guts one of them. Hey, what'd you do that for? And then they gut mm-hmm. him. It's just like, really? I mean, it was just like, you should have just done him in one fell swoop. I would have bought that, but from Sidious. But yeah, go ahead. Keep going. Well, that's kind of, that's kind of my point. It's like, particularly when some of these are characters like Confisto that we've later on going to meet, you know, we had seen a little bit in the micro series, but we got him to know him better in the Clone Wars series. You know, the fact that, and I get it, they're trying to build up the fact that Sidious is this, the Dark Lord of the Sith. He's far more powerful. They're not expecting him to leap out and do that twirly, uh, like everybody complains about the Mary Poppins episode thing in, in Last Jedi. Look at that twirl that Palpatine does in Revenge of the Sith. That is some straight up Mary Poppins stuff. You know, you know, the other thing that drives me nuts in that whole duel is, um, is Ian McDermott's faces and oh, yeah. expressions like, bleh, bleh, bleh. it's like, sh- shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like him with, <laughs> him with the hood up, with the hood up against Yoda, those, and the, and the, and the face. Yeah. That, and the makeup done. Yeah. The, those expressions work there. Him just doing it like, Oh, this is just old me. Yeah. It, I get what, again, I get what George was going for, but eh, not working here. That part of it's indefensible. I, I kind of <laughs> like the weird twirl. And I, you can even, like, sort of do mental gymnastics to say the reason he cut those Jedi down as they stood perfectly still was this is happening in a much faster time frame than you're depicting on film. Like, he's he's cutting them down in milliseconds, and they're just like, what? And so I get it. It's dramatic it's filmed a certain way and, and you're limited by Ian, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not good. Like I said, it's like the guard, <laughs> it's like the guards in Monty Python and the Holy grail. When Lancelot storms the castle, they're like, Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but like I said, it's just, and it, like I said, it's overacted. Like I said, the bleh and everything is just, that was, you know, after seeing that somebody should have said, you know what? We should just, get in there with the computer and just Photoshop those other three guys out and just let's make this just between him and Mace. Um, But but even then, but even then Sam Jackson was, and again, he's fighting an old dude, but I mean, it was, it it was slow, you know, it wasn't the Mace Windu that we saw in episode two that, you know, you know, this party's Um, over, you know, uh, and I kind of, kind of get, you know, the idea they wanted to have, uh, Sidious with a lightsaber sets up the duel with Yoda, but at the same time, I would have more been more interested in that moment. You'd seen him go to to steal an anime line, Super Saiyan, to actually use the dark side of the Force at its full capacity and just like start hurling lightning bolts, yeah. and, you know, throwing them out windows. Absolutely. I would have bought that. I'm like, oh, they didn't they didn't expect a face full of lightning coming at them. Um, you know, if you, and by the way, listeners, if you want to see better Sidious duels, go watch the Clone Wars. Sidious versus yes. Maul and Savage Oppressed. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Sidious versus Yoda in um, uh, the Clone Wars. That is awesome as well. Um, yeah. So, all right. 
uh, yeah, Fredo and I, I think ran down that one enough, but, uh, <laughs> Dave, <laughs> uh, you know, like on a similar vein of what you guys, what you were just talking about, I think like where these duels tend to go catastrophically wrong is when they paint themselves into a corner and they're like, I have to solve this problem now. Um, and one, another example of this is when you had Obi-Wan and Anakin facing off against Dooku. Um, that's on my, both, that's, on my that's, list. that's my next one as well. That's my last um, one. All right. You know, so let's all talk about this one. Um, you know, it's, it's just this fight. Okay. This is the first one, right? I think the second one does a much better job in its defense. The first fight uh, in Attack of the Clones, it's just a series of contrivances to justify how and why Dooku doesn't get mowed down. Uh, you got basically two people who should overwhelm him, but Anakin charges in like an idiot. And I'm like, great, wonderful. Okay, he, so he gets cut down by the lightning. So then Obi-Wan comes in, but he gets dispatched in like a minute. Um, you know, gets overwhelmed immediately. Then Anakin rolls in with two lightsabers, and we get a cool moment where he's like wielding two lightsabers, and it's but then done he loses five one. seconds later. Yeah, five seconds later, he loses one of his lightsabers, and and then somehow by the end of it, he loses an arm, and none of it makes any sense. I and the, the I, and the whole duel. I'm sorry, I'm because I'm with you yeah. on all of this. The whole duel is probably the one that is most obviously choreographed in the entire saga. This is the one that is like, and step, and two, and twirl, and up, and down, and block, and over, and under, and it, it just it looks like they're, they're counting their steps throughout this whole thing. Now, the only saving grace to this, I will say, is I think this might be the first time that they actually used the glowy lightsabers um in filming because right. the lighting is incredible it looks good but it is a boring lightsaber battle yeah what what surprises me the most is christopher lee is a classically trained duelist he has done action scenes and duels for movies for 40 some odd years but he's been doing and, it for 40 some odd years and the dude was almost in a wheel not to be ageist but i mean and, I, I, we're also talking about we're like man these lightsabers you know scenes suck with old people i mean that's what it's not that's because honestly it's like like you said ian mcdermott can only do so much christopher lee can only do so much ray park can do a whole a lot more so um, true. now i know there but are stunt my, people my but, is, yeah, well, i guess my difference is is you know christopher lee had the training knows how to do it has done it he was i mean he was in the three musketeers he was in so many uh, action movies so he's cognizant yes is he gonna be moving slowly or slower than he is fine but you can work with it and uh i love the fact that they even gave dooku you know he gave they gave him a duelist stance they gave him a lightsaber you can only hold with one hand the dude's supposed to be a master of the lightsaber and you don't really get to see that here uh between him and I love the fact that you know when he shoots up the the, the, uh, the force lightning, Obi Wan's quick to use the lightsaber to deflect it. So I'm like, okay, there's some intelligence being put into this, but it really doesn't come together as well as it should have. Yeah, I agree with that, and I agree with Aaron about you know th there's positives here, like the mm -hmm. like you said, the lighting with the blue and the red that reflected on the people's faces. 
Uh, I actually kind of like Anakin's form when he's wielding the two sabers. We but we only get to see that for about five seconds. Um, there's there's good pieces, but it just it just never comes together. It is not. Now I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest here. This is it, this is not really an honorable mention. Um, I dang near put Obi Wan Vader a New Hope on my bottom three, but I felt obligated not to, um, cause I, I think I've just been, that's, that's been like the, you know, eating your Brussels sprouts part of, you know, star Wars for me, um, for 40 some odd years, because I mean, the first, it is the first time you saw lightsabers and you're like, that is so cool. But then it's like, there are so many oopsies in it and it, it's like I said, it's just, it's kind of clumsy and clunky. clunky. Um, you know what I compare it to? You remember the very first Star Wars video game, the uh, Atari one, where you just played the Death Star run and it was on, I mean, I don't even want to say it was even eight bits. It was maybe, maybe like four bits. Uh, <laughs> so, and you, and you look at that and then you look at something like uh, Super Star Wars on the, on the Super Nintendo I'm not even talking about something like Squadrons today. Just that leap from that very first Star Wars game and then one just a decade and a half later. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of what what we're kind of stuck with. Like, looking at that duel, you're looking at Progenitor A1, Well, but you can totally tell that everybody's blown past it now. And, and Dave, you talked about mental gymnastics. I mean, people did mental gymnastics over that one when they have the, you know, the screw up with, you know, you know, Alec Guinness holding a stick because the light wasn't yeah. reflecting correctly. And people were like, mm-hmm. well, that just shows that his powers are weakening as a, and I'm like, no, it's called, they ran out of time and money, but then they didn't, <laughs> when they went back with the special editions, they didn't even totally fix it. It's Th- like, that's the thing that kills me. How it's like, hard is it just that. to take a, a marker on Photoshop and like, fix that please. You know, um, you still you still see a stick and so um so yeah fredo i'm with you on that i wish i wish they uh that scene 30 whatever it is would uh, 38 yeah yeah that's that 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 made me feel better i was like yeah that could have been so anyway (laughs) but like i said i had to i had to confess that that i almost put that on my list but you know it's like no no well what did you put on your list there's one more right no, I I agree. Mine, I had a uh, Mace and Sidious, and I also had Dooku and Anakin Obi Wan. So you guys both stole mine. So and then he had Anakin Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah. So mine, okay. mine, were, mine were all talked about. Um, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily. I I will say I find it interesting that none of us put um, the uh, Geonosis Arena on our list. I mean, because that was like lightsaber overload it was like all the lightsabers which you could either really yeah you could really either really be into or just like wow this is a mess um like like i know i know nobody saw me that's why i did it but those first moments when all the jedi show up and they start turning on the lightsabers and striking a pose like it's the vogue video yeah from 1989 i'm just like uh okay it's like i almost go like okay you know okay the, the, the guy showed up in the costume look away look away like that's the way I look at that. It's like, 
uh, it was an interesting, but yeah, it's almost too much. Uh, the third one that I had on my list, and uh, just to mention right quick, the Knights of Ren versus Ben from Rise. Uh... We had built up the Knights of Ren for three movies. <laughs> and after beating their former boss for two minutes, he magics up a lightsaber, does the one cool thing he could do in that moment, which was a Han Solo-style bow, and then they just go out like nothing. And I'm like, really? We built you up over three movies. Everybody's like looking forward to seeing you. You get the hushed tones introduction, and then this is what you give us? I'm, I mean, come on. I'm I'm dovetailing off of that. I'm I'm lumping in their confrontation with Palpatine in with that fight. Mm-hmm. All of it. It's all a mess. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I like where we were headed. I like some of the ideas here. Uh, Kylo has to dispatch the Knights of Ren uh, because, you know, I guess he helped create them, I think. We still don't really know that whole story. Um, But then, like, she, like, you know, transports him the saber, but then he takes care of them in, like, two seconds flat, and nothing really interesting happens there. And then the two of them unite against Sheev, and then... Nothing happens with that. He gets knocked out. She deflects his lightning and the end. And remember, the, the, the way the way to defeat absolutely evil is not one lightsaber. It's two lightsabers. Yeah. I will no, say- I, okay. We could have had so much more here. What were you going to say, Aaron? Uh, I was, I was going to switch to a different thing, but go ahead and finish up. Yeah, I, I, would, I, would I was just going to say, you. make it make sense. Yeah. <laughs> This is this is my problem with Rise of Skywalker. Basically, like again, I'm willing to forgive a whole lot with that movie, and then the ending happened, and I, so I was like, yeah. you know what? Okay, so you know what uh, what Rise of Skywalker is like. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so I was uh, so story time, kids. Um, I was playing a gig with my with my Irish band, and there was four of us: um, guitar player. I was I played Boron and sang, and then we had a a mandolin banjo player and then a flute player. Well, that night we show up to the gig and our mandolin banjo player, um, he's like, hey guys, I'm going to, I'm not really feeling all that spiffy. I had a colonoscopy today. And so I was like, all right, you know, and then our whistle player shows up and his wife was hit by a car as she was on her walk. And, you know, she was all right and everything, but he was not in this whole, you know, great space. Well, anyway, so we're playing this this tune set which when you generally when we would play tune sets it would be three it would be three different let's say we were playing reels so it was three reels and um each one is three times we play each one three times so we're in the middle of the second um second tune and i'm playing my drum and the mandolin player as he's playing all these notes he turns to me he doesn't drop a note and he turns to me and goes I don't know what the next tune is. And I'm like playing my drum and I I'm like, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know it either, you know, because I just play the drum, but I'm looking, looked at the set list. I was like, it's father Kelly's. Meanwhile, Mike is still playing, playing all the notes. And he, he looks up in the air as he's playing this other one. He's like, I don't know how that goes. I was like, we have another time through this tune. It'll come to you. Muscle memory is a great thing. We get to the third tune, and Mike just goes. He has he's he's just improvising. He has not playing 
any right note, but he's playing within the chords. So the guitar player has no idea that this conversation's happening and he's playing the chords. What Mike is playing is fitting, but the flute player who is not part of this conversation either is trying to play along with Mike. So he's leaning into his microphone going, and he'd stop and look at Mike and then, and then he just sat down his flute and started playing a shaker. He had no idea what to do. And Mike is just improvising for like, you know, two minutes on this chord progression that's rise of skywalker it was like everybody's just like what are we doing here i don't know let's let's it's just uh yeah we need a lightsaber duel here so go you know how do you want me to take these guys out just i mean it just seems like they're improvising on the sorry that was a really long story but i agree <laughs> with you that how um, how is the last movie in the skywalker saga not gonna have a memorable or good lightsaber Battle. that's a whole other podcast dave that you know would require i mean so um i mean you're you're right though there's a lot of things that should have been planned out i will say this i'm going to take us to a different one i think the last jedi could have the best and the worst lightsaber moment in the same movie the best and the worst lightsaber moment the worst being Luke Skywalker throwing the lightsaber. I didn't have a problem with him throwing it. I had a problem with how he threw it. Because over that, the shoulder. Over the shoulder, just like a uh, like a punk kid. I think if he would have had a little bit more disdain on his face and threw it forward onto the ground, I would have bought that. The best one in that movie is the Porgs pounding away at the power, you know, <laughs> cell of the lightsaber. And I was just like, that is genius. And everybody's waiting for a skewered porg. But I just love it how they're stomping on the lightsaber. So like I said, best lightsaber moment, worst lightsaber moment, same movie. You know what I will even say? Um, the Your worst moment ties in with what I think is the best moment in uh the the film when uh ray throws ben the saber and he catches it in midair and ignites it in that praetorian guard's head yes and it's it, it sort of mirrors the motion of luke throwing the saber over his shoulder except it's i'm going to use this to basically decapitate somebody well i would say if i was going to say one best individual moment and it's the one that just popped in my head. It's when R2 launches it, launches uh, Luke, his, uh, in Jedi. Because you've been waiting for it. You've been waiting for it. And all of a sudden, you just see a little head come on and just thump. And it goes in the air. Luke does his backflip and lands in his head. And the music just swells. And you're like, okay, let's go. We're here for this. And that's why that deleted scene needs to stay deleted, you know, with Luke, mm -hmm. you know, Building creating it. his lightsaber. Because it robs you of, because in that, in that scene, you're like, oh, it's a new lightsaber and it's mm -hmm. an R2's head. And then, you know, yeah, then it goes flying. It just, yeah, it, it that's a good moment. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well, I tell you what, everybody, uh, tell us what your favorite or, and least favorite moments are on Twitter or on Facebook. Um, and if you disagree with us in our assessments, just disagree, uh, nicely. Um, because I disagreed with Fredo, Fredo disagreed with me, and we were cool about it. Um, and uh, 
but I'm, I'm realizing I think I need to go to therapy for episode three. It's done something to me that <laughs> I apparently need therapy were or you, alcohol. Were you medicated when you saw it? No, Last Jedi I was. No, episode three. And ep- I don't remember being disappointed watching episode three in the moment. It's just as it as of it has not worn well on me. Um, uh, we'll so, have to get you the good beer ahead of that viewing. Yeah, uh, but yeah, let us know on uh, on uh, like I said, Facebook and Twitter, uh, and uh, otherwise you can find our podcast where pretty much all podcasts are found. And if you can't find it there, let us know, and we'll uh, um, try to get it there. But otherwise, you know, just get it where you got it before. I don't know. Um, but tell your friends about our podcast. Uh, we had a very nice compliment from Ariana last, last week about, uh, this has helped her through the pandemic and that was very sweet. So a nice shout out to her. Um, and, uh, cause that was just, that was a nice warm fuzzy. Well, all right. Well, again, everybody stay safe and please, uh, be healthy and, uh, you know, wear masks, wear two masks, get your vaccine, whatever. Um, but, uh, so we can, all have, you know, make sure we have festivals in the fall and we have Mardi Gras next year and we can go home for Christmas and stuff like that. Um, so support your fellow man. Um, and check out the, uh, the crew of house floats. I know Kate has been working a lot with that and people in New Orleans have really stepped up and tried to make, you know, something nice out of something crappy and they've done a really good job. So check out the crew of house floats. Um, so I just want to throw that shout out there. But other than that, we will say who dat? Who dat? Who dat? And uh, have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. My monkey. <laughs> <laughs>